29, verse 1. Numbers 29, verse 1. And it says, Numbers 29, 1, And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work. It is a day of blowing the trumpets unto you. So here it is, a command, that it is a commanded assembly. We're supposed to be here to worship God. We come in front of God as, and to worship our King and our Father as brought out in the opening prayer. Again in Psalms chapter 81, Psalms 81, verse 3 and 4. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon. So, today is a new moon day. The seventh new moon. In the time appointed in your solemn feast day. So this again, David was pointing out, this is a solemn day. We're to be here. For it was a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Israel. So we're here because God wants us here. He's commanded us to be here. And we can enjoy it because this is a tremendous time looking at the future. I've looked at this day in two phases. First, it's a day of wrath and great destruction. And second, a day of great joy and peace and happiness. In my years in the church, and it's been quite a long time, I told Charlotte I looked at the at all of us sitting here, and I think I can count just on one hand, maybe one hand, a couple of the fingers, the number of people who have been attending God as long as I have or longer. Not many. Not many people. Most of you are come into the church quite recently in some cases. But throughout my years in the church of over 52 years, I've always heard the same thing. We're always asking God, how long, God? How long before these things begin? We're always questioning God. When are you going to bring these things down? When is it going to start? What are we asking for? What are we wanting to see start? There's over six billion people on this planet. Are we waiting to see billions of people die? Because that's what's going to happen. That's, that's set up to happen. So are we saying, God, how long before we can see these deaths? I think back on Enoch. God said to Enoch, he walked with him. And he took him so that he wouldn't see death. Noah had to see it. Of course, he was in the ark, but he could hear it outside. But Enoch didn't have to see it. And a lot of people died at the time of Noah's flood. What's going to happen in the near future? Are we saying to God, how long before we get to see these people start to die? We Look at this, what's going on in the world today. This group of people over there in the Middle East that have no love for humanity. For humanity. They just seem to shoot you or cut your head off as they look at you. If you don't go their way, then you're wrong. On the other hand, what do we say? What's in our minds? 
in the Church of God with all the training that we've had. Isn't it what we're saying? Is you either have to go God's way or you will sleep until there's plenty of ample time for them to be raised up and then be shown that they are going to do it God's way. So are we saying the same thing? You either do it God's way or you're just not going to be around. Basically, we're saying the same thing. So we can help these people because they want to do it Satan's way. Satan's always done the same thing. Shows that he's insane because he's never changed. He's always done the same thing over and over and over again, but doesn't change anything. But their thoughts are get rid of everybody unless you are a Muslim. A special group of Muslims. Not only just Muslims, you have to be a special group of Muslims. And we know, and we've heard it, me, I've heard it now for over 52 years. Some of you, maybe 50, some 40, 30, 20. A few, more than that. There's a few here that have heard it since way back in the early 50s. So we've heard these sermons. Thousands and thousands of sermons. So do we have the right to say, Father, how long? Why has it taken so long to see this day of trumpets? Because it's more than one trumpet. It's trumpets. There are seven trumpets. Seven things are going to happen. Seven things are going to occur on this memorial. Of course, this day, we know, is the memorial of the last trumpet. And it's a very special time. Second Peter 3, verse 10. Second Peter 3, 10. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Think about that. Most of the time, when a thief breaks into your house, he's not going to stand up there on your front doorstep or out in the street and say, Tonight's the night, I'm going to come. No, it's a special time. He's going to come as a thief. For most people, we have a better understanding. We have been blessed by God to have enough understanding that we can see these things when they're going to occur. The majority of this country, the majority of the world, are not going to see this day coming. It's like a thief in the middle of the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works thereon shall be burned up. So the whole situation is going to change. It's going to be a complete restructuring. Ezekiel Ezekiel 7. So we know we can ask God, how long, God? And yet, we know, as it says here, it's going to be as a thief in the night. We better begin to prepare for that. Ezekiel 7, verse 1. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 7, 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Also, you son of man, thus says the eternal God unto the land of Israel. So he's making this statement to all of Israel, but to the church, because we know that the Bible was written to the church, and it's written to the nation. And he says, an end, 
the end is come upon the four corners of the land. That should be pretty startling to you and to me. That God says it is the end. The end of man's civilization like they are. He's going to restructure it. He's going to bring a new world society. And it won't be what this country and the world leaders of this, of this planet want to bring. It's going to be something totally different. Verse 3. And now the end has come upon you, and I will send my anger upon you. Think about that. God is going to have a lot of anger because people have totally not listened to what he's had to say. And he's going to send people out there, two witnesses, who are going to tell them where they're wrong. Will they listen? Apparently not. They're going to kill them. So he says, his anger will be upon them, and I will judge you according to your ways. Think on that statement. God is looking into my heart. He's looking into your heart. He's looking into your daily actions. He's looking at the way you accomplish things, and he says, I'm going to judge you by the way you live. The way you live. Not your neighbor, not your husband, your wife, or your children. Not your aunt or uncle. He's going to judge you by your way. And I will recompass upon you all your abominations. Oh, you mean I need to start looking at what I'm doing? Because God says he's going to put the way I live my life back on me. It should be a wake-up call. We should be up there thinking, we better be prepared because we have the opportunity. He's telling us ahead of time, start preparing today. You don't have time. As Paul said, that you need to re- recapture the time. Recapture your daily work. And my eyes shall see, I shall not spare you. Neither will I have pity. He says that in Jude, doesn't he, about the angels that left their, their first estate. He didn't have pity on them. They had an opportunity. They had and knew God's plan, and yet they walked away. They didn't do the very things that they knew they should. What happened to Adam and Eve? It took time to tell them what they should be doing. And what did they do? They wanted to do and find the answers themselves. And yet, when when God brought all that to them, they too, along with us in the church today, who say, how long? How long before... I can see these things coming. So he's going to put the way I live my life the way you live your life. He's not going to have pity if we don't make changes because we're being told. We have been told and told. And I look back at over 50 years. Nelson, this is what you've got to change. I look back in my life. Have I changed? Have I made the changes? For some, it takes longer. That's why I've been called 50-some years ago. You might have been called a lot sooner because you can probably change a little bit quicker. I'm kind of hard-headed, so it takes me a lot longer. And thus says 
the eternal God, and evil, and only evil, behold, is come. Think about those things. We're being told ahead of time. It's going to happen. An end is come. The end is come. In verse 8, Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon you, and accomplish my anger upon you, and I will judge you according to your ways, and will recompense to you all your abominations. So God is emphasizing here in Ezekiel that we better wake up. This is our opportunity. We're being told. The world will be given three and a half years. Will they change? Apparently not. The church has an opportunity. Will they change? Not all of them. Because we know only a small number will go to a place of safety. Zephaniah, verse 1. I mean, chapter 1. Zephaniah, chapter 1. Zephaniah, chapter 1. Verse 14. The great day of the eternal is near. Just like it said there in Ezekiel, the end, it is the end, an end and the end. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. Bitterly. So don't make any difference how strong you are, how great you are, how much money you have. It's going to happen. And you won't be able to stop it. Verse 15. That day is a day of wrath. So we're saying, how long, God? God is saying, this day represents the feast of blowing the trumpets. And he says, it's a day of great wrath. A day of trouble and distress. How long? Are we saying, how long before this happens? A day of waste, of destruction, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. We need to really comprehend. We're being warned ahead of time to get our act straight. To let us walk the way Christ wants us to walk. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they just can't see what's happening. They will not understand why this is happening to us in this country and in the world. Why is this happening? Such a day of distress. Because they have sinned against the eternal and their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. So are we really looking forward to the masses of people? I can remember seeing news clips back when I was a young child in Ohio during the Second World War of men and women, people dying, being put in torture camps. I can remember those things. I don't want to see that again. But I know it's going to happen because God says it's going to happen. It's a lot of destruction going to occur at that time. Let's go to Revelation 
the book of Revelation, God's revealing to us what is going to occur that this day represents. Turn to chapter 8, verse 2. Revelation chapter 8, verse 2. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them was given seven trumpets. So this day is a feast of trumpets. Seven trumpets are going to be blown. Verse 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there was followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees were burnt up, and the green grass was burnt up. Are we not seeing some of those things happening now? What's happening over there in California? How mass- massive is that fire where tens of thousands of acres have been burnt up? Do we want to see more of that? Are we in that time right now? Have we come to the point to say, is this beginning already? We will be part of that. We're going to be part of those first plagues. You know, Israel went through four plagues, didn't they? Israel had to go through four before they were spared. Verse 8, Then the second angel sounded, and there was a great mountain burning with fire cast in the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures that were in the sea had, that had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. Is this a, a, something that man's going to help to initiate? I know that when I lived in Houston, I knew that they took a lot of chemicals, biological chemicals, and took them out into the Gulf of Mexico and cased them in concrete and dumped them. When are they going to break? When's it going to cause a destruction? That we as people are doing some of this to ourselves. Verse 10. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and the fountains of water. So here we see the grass burning up and the trees burning up. We see the death and destruction in the oceans. And now we see death and destruction in the rivers and the streams. That they're going to be so that you can't drink the water. They're fracturing the ground for oil. They have oil spills. We had one down there in the Gulf, you know, and dumped millions of gallons of crude out there, poisoned the water. Twelve. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten, and a third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars, so that a third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of the night. Are we uh, going to be a part of that? Well, look at verse 13. And behold, I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the voice of the trumpets of the three angels 
which are yet to sound. So we might think, this is sad. I mean, this is terrible. All these things, destruction. But we're going to see part of that. We're going to understand part of that. So are we still going to ask God how long? Do we really want to want to find ourselves in this position? Are you, as a person, ready and following God close enough, and you've got yourself so aligned with God that you can go through these days? Or will you want to quit and walk away too? We need to think about that. Because we have the opportunity right now. We're being told ahead of time. This is going to occur on the world just like, you know, boom, it's there. It's like having your identity stolen. And they're doing that left and right. Are we going to have our identity stolen? Are we not going to be looking like God? Or will somebody take the way we look because we don't look like God and make us look like something else. Are we ready for our identity to be stolen? Something to think about. In Matthew 5, you know, we say how long before these things happen and yet God says to you and to me how long before you change. See, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who changes then? We do. So he's saying to you and to me, he says, Nelson, when are you going to change? When are you going to shape up? Now you can put your name in there, thinking that God's saying to you, when are you going to change? And I sometimes wonder that. Matthew 5, uh, 5 verse 3. Because I don't want to be caught and have my identity stolen. I don't want to be caught as the thief breaks in and steals everything that I already have. You know, I've got this knowledge of 52 years. You have whatever years you've been around. Do you want that taken away from you? You walk away from what God has given to you and you begin to lose. I have seen that happen for a long time now. Many years in the church, I've seen people walk away. One person told me directly, he says, I know where the church is. I don't think he does. I don't think he could find that today. That was back in 74. I don't think he would find the church of God today. So if you try to walk away, will you lose everything that God has given to you? So it behooves you to take and keep going, keep staring on to it. Matthew 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what it is to be poor in spirit? I didn't understand that for a long time and I, I looked it up. I went to the encyclopedias and I went into church. Uh, people that made commentaries and everything. And the best result I did is a, a person like us, everyday people. We're not rich. We're not poor. We're just everyday people. 
who've gone out and spent too much, got ourselves over our head in debt, and can't pay for it, and can't get it, so we go bankrupt. We become bankrupt with the, the funds that we have. Here, poor in spirit, when you finally come to the point to realize that basically you bankrupt spiritually. And so the only way to, to get it back is like when you're bankrupt, the courts are set up ways that you can recoup and get back on your feet again. So once you realize that you are bankrupt spiritually, then you go to God and you put your whole heart, mind, and effort into doing it God's way. It reminds me of the people in Hebrews 11. Every one of those people dedicated their life. They gave their life. I look at this botanical group. Those people will follow their group, even bore themselves. Are you ready to say, hey, I'm going to die for this because I believe and know it and understand it and I'm so convicted that this is God's way. I'm not going to change. I don't want to be, have my house broken into me, my spiritual house. I don't want to have my spiritual identity taken away. We know ahead, 144,000, he's given us the opportunity. Are we going to lose it? He's going to have 144,000. That's a fact. You have an opportunity to beat that. Unless somebody steals your identity to be in God. And I read this and then I think of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Five wise, five foolish. What does it say about them? They all knew God's way of life. Five of them felt that they were spiritually broke. And so they started putting more up. They started adding as much as they could, they couldn't get all they needed. They couldn't come up with all the understanding and knowledge and conviction, but they really stayed with it. Five of them said, just like they did there in Revelation chapter 3.17, I know it. I've got all I need. I'm rich. I'm increased with good. And I've got all this. Why do I need to study? Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to make changes? But God says, You're, you don't understand you're naked, broke, you're poor, you're sick, you're dying. Basically, you're dying. We don't want to be there. We don't want to be at that point in our life to be there. In Revelation 9, verse 1, 9, verse 1, it says, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven, and to him was given the keys to the bottomless pit. Uh, uh, disaster going to happen? <laughs> you know, the bottomless pit is where the wrong things come out. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit, and the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of that smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given the power of the scorpion of the, of the earth had power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass or the trees. And neither the green things, and neither the trees. But only those men 
listen because this is to you and to me it's where I can say that we're going to go through four parts of the, these four first four trumpets because he says but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads if you have God's seal in your foreheads which is the knowledge of the truth the knowledge of going and doing it God's way it can't affect you but if you don't it's going to hit you this is the first world so the first four you'll see that that if and we're out here saying to God how long before I help can you help me help me I want to stay with you. I want to keep that same identity that you've given to me because it can so easily slip away. It can so easily fall short. That fifth seal is a separation between us going through the, the, the plagues and not. The opportunity for us to find a place where God will protect us. Put that wall of fire around us. Put a cover over us to destroy the heat and teach us and stay with him all the way. So, can we say, how long, God? Because God is saying to you and to me, how long will you do something right? Malachi tells us that God doesn't change. Well, we brought that out. God says he's same yesterday, today, and forever. And Malachi 3 says, I don't change. So if God doesn't change, who's going to change? We need to change. We need to come away from the world and start coming toward God. God has given us an opportunity in Deuteronomy. I know maybe you think it's taken out of proportion, but it's to the church. Where in Deuteronomy 30, he says... I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Think about that. He's telling us, I'm calling heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set two ways of life. Two distinct ways. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. And he says, I will that you choose life. I will that you put your mind to that point, say, I want life. So the first point that I want to cover through the whole day was the death and destruction that's going to come on this world. A lot of destruction. A lot of death. And we have an opportunity to change. We can make the choice to look into our heart and say I don't want to be a part of this world I don't want to be a part of the death I don't want to see a billion or two people die if we're in a place of safety we'll know it's happening but we won't see it we can on the TV today look at it and see where they line people up and just indiscriminately just shoot them I can look back and think of what happened during the Second World War. Although people say that didn't happen, I was there, I'm not there, but I was on the, seen it in the newsreels at the movies 
where they showed actually happening, shooting people, making people totally get nude, walk into a building where they're supposed to have a shower, except it was some kind of gas that annihilated them, and then shove their bodies, and I've seen the, uh, the places where they did that. They shoved their bodies into a furnace and cremated them by the thousands. Seen where they brought people in boxcars, crammed into boxcars, couldn't even get around. I know it happened. I don't want to see that happen again. I don't want to be there and happen it. So I have an opportunity, and so do you. But it is something you have to do. I know that my wife isn't going to get me into the kingdom of God. I know that neither one of you is going to get me into the kingdom of God. No matter what you do in your life, it hurts. I might not agree with what you're doing, but it's not going to affect me if I am staying close enough to God and doing things His way. In Isaiah 55, verse 6 says, Seek you the Lord while He may be found. This is an opportunity, isn't it? Are we seeking God with our whole heart? Are we really looking for Him with our whole heart? We can think back. This day is talked about, as I did earlier, in Revelation. It's a revelation. He said, this is, I'm telling you ahead of time, what is going to happen? And then I told you, it pointed out that, for the most part, if we stay with God, then we're not going to have a problem. We will not see the death and destruction. So stay and call upon Him, it says in verse 6, while He is near. Is God near to us today? We have this opportunity. Jeremiah 29. Another instance that we are given the opportunity in this day. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Eternal. Thoughts of peace. God's thinking peace for those that have that mark in their forehead. So I know these are my thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken to you. He wants us so close to him. We need to be that way. We've had a lot of people go in front of us. A lot of people. We need to follow Christ's example, because he went in front of us. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. Again, he's emphasizing it is a strict, deep, complete commitment and conviction that you change not. Because I have seen it. Again, I'll say that. I have seen people walk away. In 1995, 94, hundreds of people that I thought were really 
going God's way. And it hurt. It didn't affect me on the end result in my relationship with God, but it still hurt. It still hurt my heart to see people give up everything that they've been given at that time. And I will be found of you, said the Eternal, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from one nation and from all the places whither I have driven you, said the Eternal, and I will bring again unto you peace, whence I caused you to be carried away captive. We have an opportunity if we're convicted and turning to God with our whole heart, with our whole mind, our whole attitude. It is a time of great joy, you know, a time of love from God. Turn to Revelation again. Chapter 11. Verse 15. This is the time of joy. So I said the first part of the trumpets showed destruction, showed death, showed sadness much in that line. Verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. A time of great joy. This is a time that God is looking forward to. A time of peace. A time of no longer sadness for God, although sadness in the world, and it's not ended for them. But if you have the mark in your forehead, if you have stayed with God, if you had protected that mark so that it could not be taken away, it could not steal your identity, then it will be a time of great joy. Isaiah 27, verse 13. Speaking of this day, and it shall come to pass in that day, this day, representing the seventh trump, and that great trump shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and right past through the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mountain at Jerusalem. It's going to be joyous when that trumpet blows. I like it to think like a wedding. And I look back at the wedding when I was married 56 years ago. My wife was coming down the aisle. I didn't care about anybody else. All that was... Didn't mean nothing, did it? Because all I did is my eyes focused on my bride, spectacular, beautiful in white garments, coming down the aisle... And and that was the joy of my heart, because this is my life coming down there. What about Christ and the Father? When this trumpet sounds, is it like the bride coming down? 
think about that. This is the joyous part of the Feast of Trumpets. The bride going to come to the groom. God knows the destruction out there. He knows it. He's not even going to, he's not going to pity him. He said he won't even phase him because they will not change until they have been pushed to that point. That they've gone out and bought. They had to go out there and now go back and buy what they should have had, especially in the church, the people that have had the opportunity, and now the thief broke in and took it from them. And we know who the thief is when he's let out of the bottomless pit. We know who the thief is. He's going to try to take away your opportunity to be the bride. And those that have, are still going to be part of that bride but have thought, I don't need to do any more studying. Well, you do. You need to keep focused on the right way. If you've got to focus, if you know the destination you're going to and you focus on that, you won't be miles one way or the other way. You'll be on track. And so God has given us that opportunity. So are you walking the walk? Let's go to Thessalonians because this is the joyous time. This is the time that God is going to just be... He's not going to worry about these other things. That's already, he knows what's going to happen. It's got to happen. It must happen in order to get their attention. So we go through some of the plagues to get our attention because God wants us. But we have to be focused now. We have to stay focused on what we're doing. So God is, knows to say, I pity these people because they're given an opportunity. And they didn't change. They didn't take the opportunity and run with it. They could have. They could have run with it, but why should I run? Why should I do it? I know it all. Well, you don't know it all. That's why God gives us people to lead us and focus us in the right direction. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. But I would not have you be ignorant. He says, look, I'm telling you ahead of time. I'm showing you things that you should be doing, brethren, concerning them which is sleep. So we don't worry about those that sleep. I don't worry about one of my good friends when he was 35 years old who believed God, trusted God, and died with cancer. A very close friend. So I, don't, I know he sleeps. I saw his heart. He believed that God would take care of him, and he went and walked and talked and went the way of God. And I don't worry about him sleeping, because he's going to be there before me. I hope I can be there and see him later. Concerning them that sleep, that you be, uh, that you sorrow not, even as others sorrow, which have no hope. I've got a sister-in-law that's dying. She doesn't have hope because she doesn't know what's going to happen in her life. She doesn't understand 
what's about to occur in her life. She might not live, she might live some time yet. But I don't want to be one that's out there and when I should be here. Because if I'm out there, I'm not going to see the peace and the joy that God has because I'm going to be suffering just like the others are. Because now, even more so for anybody that has known the truth, you're really going to suffer. You're really going to have to buy a lot of gold and silver tried in the fire. For if we believe that Emmanuel died and rose again, even so also which sleep, those that sleep in Emmanuel, will God bring with him. I believe that completely. I long for that time, not for the destruction, but I long that I can say to the Father, Father, what do I need to change? Help me so that I can be there and know that that's happening. For this we say unto you, brethren, by the eternal, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the eternal will not keep them, says prevent, we will not keep them which are asleep. We will not get before them. We will not be before them. We won't stop them. For the eternal himself shall descend from heaven with the shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Joyous? Happiness? To think that those people that we have loved, the people that we have come to know over the years, and I can think of Bill Machen and Herbert Armstrong and, and Loma Armstrong and I can think of the people that we had here. Andy and Dale and Barbara and Dwight and Sheila. How many others? How many can I look back in my lifetime who I felt, because I don't make the judge, you know, but I just feel that these people were doing it God's way. And I think that they're going to be there first. They're going to be raised first. And so I can think about that happening. Then we, and this is some more joy for God and for us. You know, we can be joyous this way too. Then we which are alive, because we have not lost our identity, it wasn't stolen from us, but we which are alive remain, shall be caught together with them in the clouds and meet the eternal in the air. And so, and so shall we ever be with Christ, Emmanuel, our husband with God the Father. And Paul completed that by saying, Wherefore, brethren, comfort one another with these words. They are comfortable. They're joyous because this is going to occur. Isaiah 25, verse 8. And he will will swallow up Death in victory, and the eternal Christ of 
husband will wipe away tears from our eye face and will rebuke his people and shall be taken away. The rebuke of his people will be taken away from off the earth and the eternal has spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the eternal. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in salvation. God is rejoicing and we're going to rejoice. One more scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, verse 52, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the, uh, at the last trump, so there are seven trumps. He says, at the last trump, the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I'm going to end it by having Chanel play uh, The Trump Shall Sound. She probably won't play all of it, but think about it when you listen to this. Think about the joyous part of those that are listed there in Hebrews 11, of those that you've known over the years. They're going to be that are sleeping right now, that they're going to be there before you are. But if we have kept our identity, we have stayed with God and not given up and not be pulled aside because the enemy wants to distract you in any possible way. So when you listen to this played, think about those and the joy and the gladness that your father has.